Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. Live from the COVID Coliseum, my name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Courtney Staples and Daniel Quinn. On today's episode, we finish up our jaunt into Diplo Raptors' world of pagodas, spirits, and mecca. Uh, again, this is part two, so I always recommend you go back and listen to part one before you listen to this one, because boy, you're probably going to be pretty confused. Uh, plus, I don't have to give you the, the wrap up because we do that on the other end. Now, uh, a big thank you again to our patron Diplo Raptor for submitting this prompt that we're finishing up. And remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com. Click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, we're on Twitter at Let's World Build. You can come join our Discord and chat with us about whatever you want, really. We're always there or, you know, within a reasonable amount of time. And if you're feeling particularly generous or just want access to our sweet, sweet Patreon goodies, you can go to our Patreon and give us money there. We've got Discord goodies, early episodes, patron-only episodes, which are quite sweet. And something that we've done recently is you get double the prompt length when you are a patron. So if you're interested in any of those things or anything else, then come join our Patreon. Now, with all of the shilling out of the way, let's get back into it. Where the last we left off, we had a twist, which was now family gets involved. So Daniel, why don't you kick us off and tell us how you reconciled the twist with our prompt? My thought was that there we established at the end there were this country or whatever the realm is, is essentially one realm that's infighting. And so I thought perhaps the 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 ghosts that are prevalent in this half of the realm, maybe there's some kind of family rift going back generations um, mm -hmm. that might be underlying the conflict or maybe um, in some way manipulating the political aspect of it. So um, to say like generations and generations ago, these two halves, maybe they were part of the same family or it's caused by, I guess, like genealogical infighting. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to jump in there because I feel like my prompt is is pretty spot on to what you're looking for here. So last episode, we talked about the spirit channelers kind of being put to a lesser and lesser degree of importance. And I thought, gee, wouldn't it be so interesting if one of those spirit channelers was one of the either grandson or great grandson, I suppose, of the emperor? Mm -hmm. uh, so you have a legitimate claim to the throne of the empire in one of these spirit channelers. And all it needs is just a little bit of nudging and a little bit of ambition. And all of a sudden you have a conflict between the quote unquote rightful spirit emperor and this kind of semi deposed offspring. And uh, mm -hmm. I thought that that would be a really great way to kind of push that conflict, that inner turmoil to its boiling point. Yeah, that's interesting because. Yeah, we didn't really talk about how that would work with this basically immortal, like clockwork spirit emperor. Mm -hmm. like, how do his offspring or descendants, how do they deal with not being able to get that power? Well, I, I was thinking about this in that, you know, the, the original emperor, the one who sacrificed themselves to create the spirit barrier, you know, they create the barrier, 
but then then the lineage kind of continues on that there is a natural progression but but when the spirit emperor comes back that they obviously take precedent but there's still a lineage there's still yeah. a rightful heir to the throne who is now slighted mm-hmm. so i thought that that kind of interplay would be really interesting so you have to kind of temper one's ambition with one's own right to family and stuff like that i thought that that'd be a really fun conflict to play into and again with this it's like i mean you could argue that both have equal right or claim to the throne. Yeah, definitely. It gets very messy, which makes it more fun for us. <laughs> Absolutely. This is where faction and, and uh, like espionage kind of come into play as well, which is more fun for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do we give rise to a civil war? Is it, I mean, is the creation of this immortal emperor what breaks the country in half or was it broken before that? Well, mm-hmm. um, Remember that this is all based on the Meiji Restoration. So the breaking of the spirit barrier is where the de-emphasis of that uh, channeler class starts to come into play. So something has been broken within that, right? And then this added layer of civil war drama is just like in it's increasing the level of conflict in espionage and intrigue within the country. Because uh, remember that they created this spirit barrier to keep stuff from getting out or Mm -hmm. in rather. And so there's got like, so, so that part has already been broken. So this is just an increased level of turmoil inside the country. I thought we had established last time because what we were trying to figure out is what is that external pressure that created um, the Mm -hmm. need for restoration? I thought we talked about keeping the boundaries of the story to this realm and that the outer conflict is in fact another half of their own country like that that became mm-hmm. opposed to them. i still think that's entirely doable here mm-hmm. that's what i'm wondering like is the is the civil war happening prior to the emperor becoming who he is it's a, in a response mm. to that or has it happened after he became who he is so the way that i was thinking about it was that there was a civil war in the past like centuries ago potentially when this barrier was created and then after that threat died down, essentially, then the spirit emperor removed the barrier. And I think we had decided that the priests had actually kind of called him back into the palace, the clockwork pagoda. Um, And now there's a new civil war arising because of his return. Right. I think the idea that we have, it's, it's a very different type of war where this is all very like um, political and like street fighting as opposed to open warfare, which is the previous civil war, hence the giant spirit barrier and stuff like that, which again, I mean, if we're going off of, you know, historical Japan, then that absolutely tracks and like kind of echoes what we're looking for historically there as well. Right. So then the question I put to you both again (laughs) is what's the external, um, what's the thing that's pushing against them? I don't think we ever established that, did we? Or we were talking about like the the more nature based um, right. faction right. that had pushed against them, and in order to protect themselves, the this empire or this part of the empire cut mm-hmm. themselves off. Yeah, we never really decided on it because then we then we talked about a potential civil war. To yeah, we the narrative from expanding rather than creating a completely new villain. You know well, what I mean? Well, how about this? How about we finish up reconciliation with? the twist first, and then we can dive into answering that question. Does that sound acceptable? Yeah. 
Yeah, we can, I mean, we can try. It may, it may require us to answer that question. That's what you're, I'm getting you're, at. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. But like only Courtney is left. So like, uh-huh. let's see what Courtney has to say. And maybe she has a way to kind of help reconcile us with this separate sub reconciliation that we need to figure out. <laughs> oh, no guarantees. But um, my way for solving the uh, family gets involved twist was that ancestor worship and ancestor based magic are important for the priest class that we had established last time. Um, So when channeling the spirits uh, to use in the mecha animals and other magitech, those priests get a sort of bonus when dealing with spirits that they're actually related to. Oh, fun. I was also thinking that given that some of these spirits might have really strong feelings about what's happening currently Mm. uh, and that they've been, you know, happy to see their descendants making their family stronger and more important, they probably also aren't super happy about the emperor wanting to reconsolidate that power now and Mm -hmm. in doing so like take it away from those priest families and clans so like what happens when you have spirits from hundreds of years ago who are refusing stubbornly to leave because they still feel that they have an active role to play i you know i always do love a good stubborn spirit that's Mm -hmm. really fun Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. almost like a haunting yeah i guess yeah yeah i suppose so all right i feel like all of i mean that that all kind of works. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that we can also now look at what we have, right? And we can try to reconcile what we've got and answer Daniel's question, which was what was the original kind of threat? I like the idea, by the way, that if we're, I mean, if we're, if we're looking at echoes of, you know, the Meiji restoration that we can look to that, where the, the era of the Shogunate is the era of like, warring states japan which is an era which is open warfare right and i think that that is uh really appropriate for the kind of things that we're we're focusing on here right like if if this era is all about small arms street warfare espionage and stuff like that then it makes sense to me that we would mimic open warfare and militarism in the previous state and hence why we create a giant spirit barrier to begin with. Right. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, right. Like if, again, I'm just, if I'm just stealing directly from history, then we just have it. So there's a separate uh, claim to the empire. Right. And, and just kind of go from there and whether it be legitimate mm-hmm. or not, it doesn't really matter. And then that's what the open warfare was about. Yeah. Could be that, this emperor had a sibling or an uncle or some other relative who felt that they had a strong enough claim to the throne that they all out rebelled. Yeah. I, I actually prefer that. It's probably like somewhat separate. Like it's mm-hmm. not like a brother or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a direct civil war, but I think what you said being like an uncle or, you know, like maybe even just a complete charlatan, you know, who yeah. has fake claims to the throne <laughs> would be interesting as well. And um, let's talk about this because this this separate force was obviously large enough and powerful enough to threaten a a city state or a a part of this country that was able to summon giant mecha robot you know like animals right. Mm-hmm. So we have to imagine that they brought a lot of power to bear, but then obviously waiting them out worked. So I think it'd be kind of interesting to see that it's not like this threat ever went away. It's just that it cannibalized itself because mm-hmm. like they had all this ambition, they had all this strength, 
but the the empire behind the spirit barrier knew give it a while or give it a give it a long enough time and they will eat themselves due to ambition like they're going to have to point their swords inward after a certain point and then that's how they ended up surviving it wasn't through overwhelming power they just had to wait until that power got turned elsewhere and then that's where they were able to survive and thrive again yeah and given that we had talked about it being like a a nature almost druidic uh, opponent there last time and how overgrowth was very important to their their tactics like they would sort of flood areas with plant matter and such mm-hmm. um like maybe what they essentially did was like drain their own land accidentally of nutrients Ooh. because they were just constantly producing plant life and after a while there just wasn't enough you know nitrogen in the soil there wasn't enough stuff for the plants to thrive on that it eventually died out not enough long-term planning not yep. not mm-hmm. enough long-term thinking yeah that makes yeah. a lot of sense so we're saying just to make sure i understand so we're saying the, the past this was one city state some kind of conflict separated them because they were trying to make a claim to throne of the emperor Mm -hmm. um and then in order to keep them at bay they've separated them off and then because of their failed resource planning um and inability to guess to get access to what's beyond that barrier they basically uh were weakened enough to not be a threat anymore yeah essentially okay i would i would also like to emphasize again that you know they needed an enemy and once that enemy was behind a barrier, they be- they essentially betrayed themselves. Like that was certainly mm-hmm. part of it as well. Like yeah. falling to infighting is always one of my favorite ways to uh, weaken enemies or to like weaken an empire in general, because that's always like pretty historically accurate as well. You know, it's either like they get too fat, content <laughs> and hedonistic for their own good. And they start like not caring about certain very important aspects about governance or it's like they just start butchering each other because their ambition becomes too much, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, actually going off of like the idea of cannibalism and butchering, what if that area is now filled with a lot of um, carnivorous plant life? Because oh, fun. after a while they kind of realize like, oh shit, we've drained the nutrients out of the soil. We need some other form of, of energy to draw from. So that's kind of all that's remaining there now. I love that. Can we base the so like I I like that absolutely. Uh, can we base the the quote unquote resource draining in something spiritual? So, um, for example, suppose this entire realm depends on I don't know harvesting or tapping into spirits in order to perform basic functions like agriculture, mm-hmm. and by creating a spirit barrier, you drain that yeah. re- that half of the realm of its spiritual essence, and that's why their lands have started to become untillable because I think the through line of the spirit stuff needs to be there. Yeah, definitely. Because we kind of talked about that last time too, how this barrier was erected in part to like keep spirits from giving the other side energy. So I think that totally Mm -hmm. works. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it all, it all comes together. It all tends to work. And I think what might be kind of interesting is that once that, once the spirit barrier comes down, then like a bloom starts to happen around it once more. Mm. You know, like there definitely still are carnivorous plants. And by the way, they don't feed just on like meat, but I like to think that they're probably eating on spirit as well. You know, yeah, Uh, just just why not? But like the idea that, you know, there is some level of normalcy returning to the rest of the country 
but at the same time, like still dealing with the fallout of, you know, like being cut off spiritually from the rest of the realm. That that's also really interesting to me as well. But I think it's time to move into our factions. So I had Daniel start, uh, Courtney, I, I normally do opposites and have mm-hmm. you go, but I'm going to, I'm going to let everyone in on a little secret. I've been dealing with COVID and, uh, I, oh boy, I, I, I feel like I definitely half-assed this, t- this <laughs> faction. So I'm just going to get it out there and then we can move on to the more interesting factions here. So I'm looking at this world, COVID brain. I'm looking at like what, uh, what we can add. We've already got uh, Mecha. We've got samurai inspired classes. What don't we have? Oh boy, we don't have Shinobi. So of course we got to add in some ninja and I'm like, that was okay. literally minus one. obviously. Yeah. It's the obvious thing to <laughs> yeah. do Courtney, of course. But what did you do to make your Shinobi more interesting? Courtney, did you have them be uh, Oni worshiping spirit eaters? Because that's what I did with mine. Um, so yeah, the, the Shinobi that I have, they serve the emperor and they have the ability to devour the spirits of, uh, others. And, uh, you know, you're like, wait, why would they, why would they serve the emperor? Uh, yeah, they have their own agenda. They're, they're definitely looking to eventually usurp the throne. Um, but you know, for now they're just happy serving the emperor and specifically finding hunting and, you know, eating the spirit channelers on the opposing side. But yeah, uh, faction done and over, Courtney, how are your ninja different than mine? That was like literally, (laughs) that's amazing. Um, yeah, I had basically wanted like witch hunter inquisitor types loyal to the emperor and who wanted to like help him regain his power. And, um, those of course ended up with the flavor of like ninja assassins, essentially trying to find and get rid of the emperor's opponents. And I had actually pictured them using Magitek devices to be able to get around unnoticed and move Mm. in unnatural ways, like cloaking Mm. and that sort of thing. Batman grappling hooks, basically. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And likewise with consuming the spirits, I hadn't pictured them necessarily eating them themselves, but more so um, storing the spirits of the channelers, the priests to bring mm-hmm. back to the emperor to like feed to him basically. So you went ghostbusters and I yeah. went like uh demon cult basically. Yeah. Basically. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That, I mean, Daniel, uh, tell us about your <laughs> cult of, of no shinobi, please. Well, incidentally, <laughs> oh my God. Um, they weren't intended to be ninjas, perhaps, mm-hmm. but I did have Imperial Clockwork mm-hmm. Ghost Hunters. Um, so what's what I wrote down. <laughs> the idea nice. being this is the Emperor's um, elite force of mostly clockwork um, agents that seek out the channelers to apprehend and divorce them of their souls. So it's the same thing, basically. <laughs> I like that we all came up with the same exact thing. Oh, <laughs> boy, much. we're really bringing Excellent. our A game today, y'all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, obviously, we can't just have three flavors of the same fucking faction here. So uh, what do y'all say that we just make a new faction up together? I was going to say that, too, that we could uh, come up with something new on the spot. Great. Random rolls. Oh, we're definitely doing random rolls. You best believe that we're doing random rolls. That said, I I do like the idea that each of our three ninja-ish factions are separate, but 
they're all sort of infighting to get the emperor's favor. So they're like slightly different. Yeah, I like that as well. Yeah. Must need. Yeah. Okay. So the theme for the faction that we're rolling with this time is going to be growth and expansion and or expansion, I should say. And the first thing about them that's interesting or unique that we're going to be focusing on is an artifact. Okay. So this faction, they're based on growth and expansion. They're also focused on an artifact. Mm. Now we have one of three options here that I see. But as of right now, I actually don't want to focus on them being part of the emperor's retinue because it's like we have we literally have three factions that all serve the emperor as of Mm -hmm. right now. Right. Mm -hmm. So they can either be their own separate thing, like a, a third separate faction, or they can be joining the spirit channelers in some way. What is more interesting to you? I think they should be a separate faction because that would give more dimension to this yeah. uh, setting. As of right now, so I, I'm, I'm cool with that. But I also want to point out as well that because we have three different factions that all serve the emperor, this emperor has gone from like a potentially neutral force to someone who has overwhelming power. Right. Like mm-hmm. ju- just based on the fact that we now have three separate factions that all serve the emperor and none to the others, that power dynamic suddenly shifts to the point where the emperor seems like he is a big bad. He might not actually be bad. I think bad is not correct, but he is like the overwhelming force in terms of power within the country. Right. Yeah. He's definitely come back much stronger than the priests had anticipated, I think. Right. Okay, so we've got a third separate faction. They're based around an artifact, expansion, and or growth. Where do we want to go with that? Right away, I was picturing like a group that's kind of venturing out from where the barrier was. And maybe a lot of the citizens of the Empire are sort of hesitant to leave because, I mean, what's outside is uh, carnivorous spirit-eating plants and stuff, so not the nicest area to explore, but... This group, for whatever reason, maybe they're seeking their own sort of independence. They're they're kind of heading out. Um, maybe they have some of the like large spirit animals of their own that they're traveling with that they don't want to see, like kind of retaken by the empire, and that's part of why they're heading out. I wonder, since the whole since we don't want to expand the boundaries of the narrative, um, expansion in my mind typically means like expanding the realm. But I thought perhaps it means expanding the resource, which would be the spirits. Mm-hmm. So maybe um, this artifact taps into a veil or something beyond the realm to get access to more spirits or different genealogies. I don't know. Uh, I see. Remember that these themes are also supposed to be fairly loose. So even though it says expansion and or growth, it could also mean like growth of one's wallet expansion of one's wallet. So if we, we we could just strictly have them be merchants of some kind or trades folk of some kind. Um, but I think that, I think that Daniel, I, what I'm interested in is kind of focusing on that artifact a little bit because artifact implies that this thing is ancient, right? Like it might be powerful, but to me, artifacts are always things of the past. And so I think that if we're going to be focusing on the word artifact, then it has to 
do, I think, with a little bit with clockwork, because the clockwork aspect is something that they've essentially left behind them at this point, correct? Or will the the emperor is still clockwork? Mm-hmm. Though you're right that the the mecha animals are kind of being the clockwork armor and stuff is being taken off of those. Mm-hmm. So is this artifact, is it like the last or perhaps one of the last mecha animals? Like they they just refuse to take their armor off and they're like, no, I still have a duty mm-hmm. to do. What, why was they ever put on again? Because our resolution for so far is that the civil war was to stop usurpers from the throne and then their lands right. got tapped as a result of the barrier. So why did they put the armor on the spirits in the first place? Because they were, they were originally engines of war. So, so they were fighting with them prior to the barrier correct. using the spirit mm-hmm. armor. Right. Okay. The the spirit barrier, I imagine, was probably something that was like a last ditch effort. Yeah. They're like, mm-hmm. we're going to lose even though we have all these mecha pagoda animals. It's like right. we need something that is going to, you know, yeah. Could it have been a WMD kind of thing that was involved in the creation of the of the barrier that is no longer used or decommissioned? And they're using Ooh. it for a different purpose. Like hmm. instead yeah. of opening a barrier, they're opening a door or something or tapping into the vast unconscious realm of souls or something. Yeah, that could be cool. Okay. 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 I, I, I rarely do this. I'm going to roll a second theme and force us to reconcile it. How does that sound? Sure. Yeah. gives us more to work with. Exactly. All right. The second theme is corruption. So yeah, that makes sense. So we've got growth and expansion corruption. Uh, that kind of works for what Daniel was saying, where it's like a WMD situation where maybe its original function has essentially corroded down to the point. Now, corruption is often seen as like evil, but in this case, I don't think that's necessarily what we need to do. Mm-hmm. It's just like it is an erosion, a corrosion of its original purpose. And the idea that this thing was a WMD, but now it is something else and gives that that kind of uh, world purpose. Like, that's interesting to me. And I like that a lot. We could also work, too, from like, like you said, Daniel, the sort of opposite of the barrier. What if that is, um, like you said, kind of opening up the door to the spirit world and almost flooding mm-hmm. those towards the emperor as like a, a spirit laser beam, basically? Yeah, because like it seems like the wall was protective, and yeah. this might be a weapon. They're turning what it was a defensive tool into a weapon. Right, right. Yeah, okay. That's really interesting. Or it could be an anti-spirit laser that oh. if they point that at the emperor, they they could potentially just vaporize him completely. Yeah, maybe it's about not about bringing more spirits in. Maybe it's about putting them back, like sending them away permanently, like letting them permanently die. Yeah, yeah. It's like an exorcism machine. Yes, because hmm. that would be the opposite of opening a door to create a wall. The wall is made of spirits, yeah. I assume, right? And it's it's, t- it's sucking the spirits out elsewhere in order to create the wall. So maybe this puts them back. Like if you think about think about what the wall is, what is the wall, right? It's in order to 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 block spirits from coming through. It is some kind of ectoplasmic thing, right? Isn't the wall spirits itself? And yeah, if that's they, if they, yeah. yeah. If they tap the lands outside the wall to create the wall, the wall is those spirits that have been tapped. So maybe this weapon can inverse that, you know, it's in the same way it created it. Mm-hmm. But it's, I mean, so, okay. I have to imagine then that the people who are kind of focusing on this are heretics in this religion, mm-hmm. because if they're anti-spiritualists, if they're like, 
they believe in an anti-spiritual universe and this weapon kind of does what they're interested in. Like maybe they see or saw the devastation that the spirits, you know, have, have caused for the country. And they're like, well, this is obviously the opposite of what we need to do. It's the pendulum swinging in the opposite direction, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, maybe they don't plan on getting rid of spirits everywhere, but they need to get rid of the emperor and set mm-hmm. things back to the way they should have been like to not be, brutalizing spirits for their industrial purposes maybe that's part of what it is but they have to resort to this device to do that they see themselves as spiritual liberators yeah Mm -hmm. that's what it is they they see themselves as like no we're giving the spirits the option to do whatever Mm -hmm. they want and in reality they're like essentially decoupling them from the physical plane yeah because because channelers i think they request the aid of spirits like they're not necessarily enslaving spirits or it seems like the emperor himself being a spirit brought back like they're using technology to enslave spirits to do their purpose just like they put armor on the spirits in the past yeah and Mm -hmm. this actually adds a third angle to what we're talking about where you know like the emperor enslaves spirits through his ability to just be a spirit and he's learned much in the spirit realm. The channelers ask for cooperation and this third group is like, nah, fuck that. Let the spirits be spirits and like, let them not interact in the mortal realm at all. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so in that case you have a three-way conflict and it adds in hooks for that third faction to be interested in what the other factions are doing as well. And like, yes, they're their own separate thing, but it's also they're they're involved and interested in what's going on in that conflict. Yeah. And I imagine the spirit barrier itself, like sort of changed the dynamic as far as the spirit channelers, how maybe in the past it would be a very like mutual decision to work together, like man and spirit. Mm-hmm. Whereas oh, with yeah. the barrier erected, all of those spirits can't leave anymore. So yeah. is it really yeah. consensual if like the spirit's just been stuck there for like, hundred years and is waiting Mm -hmm. around and some channeler comes along and is like, Hey, I can give you an out. Um, is that really like a consensual agreement anymore? Right. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's manufactured consent. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. So these are anarcho-communists. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. But on the spiritual plane, (laughs) (laughs) how do we bring the, um, descendant of the emperor and the person who has the rightful claim to the throne into this? Mm. Well, they're of the channeler faction. So right. th- they, they've already got their own setup and stuff like that. C- can we define the artifact a little bit more? I think that would probably be helpful, you know, because like we have this idea, it's a fucking cannon, right? But like, is it as devastating as all that? Or is it something that is perhaps a little bit more uh, subtle? It's In my mind, it seems to be some kind of bomb you have to put near where the emperor is. Because if you could just fire it from anywhere, then it seems a little easy. Mm. yeah it might have to be set up in the same way that the wall was set up like maybe in the, in the imperial palace you have to connect it to whatever the emperor is connected to and then activate it just like the wall was created yeah so they would have to like actually sneak in there and infiltrate mm-hmm. the palace mm-hmm. itself which is the emperor itself <laughs> right and then remember that we also made it so the the emperor is the palace itself which is right. itself on a giant walking mecca remember right mm-hmm. right so I think we've just created fairly simply our main storyline, yeah. <laughs> which is these spiritual radicals have to team up with the channelers in order to infiltrate and then 
take it's a it's a classic heist movie. It's a mm-hmm. classic heist scenario where you've got to you've got to get to the heart of the emperor, set up the spirit bomb and then bam, you disintegrate them into fucking nothing. <laughs> so how did our twist fit into this again? Because it had to do with families, right? Right. Yeah, I mean the well the the channeler is the mm-hmm. is part of the group that is interested in taking down the emperor. So it's the civil war is now not just about, you know, country versus country. It's about like great grandfather versus great grandson. Essentially. So is he aligned then with these um, spiritual terrorists? I think that he is willing to do whatever he needs to do in order to preserve his mm-hmm. class, which is the mm-hmm. spirit channeler. So I think that because now that the emperor has three different shinobi clan working for them, right. um, I think that they look at each other and they're like, we don't agree on everything, but this is the only way we have a shot at gaining right. power. Mm-hmm. And so they use each other and they're like, all right, we're going to get a super squad together of channelers and like anarchists. And we're going to take down the emperor. And that's the best chance we got. And of course the extra tension that you get with that is you don't know who's going to flip against one another at any time during the entire right. heist. Another thing to toss in there is how my reconciliation of the twist involved um, the channelers kind of getting a, a bonus to channeling spirits that they're related to. And so of course. saying that could this descendant of the emperor potentially try to channel the emperor's spirit for oh, his own perfect. purposes? Like, is he going to get to yeah. the center of this palace and turn around and be like, okay, I control everything now because I can control the emperor like is mm-hmm. that his end game? I mean, maybe he's the one. He has it. They have to take this tool in there. Maybe the channel, the act of channeling, is how you activate it. And at that mm-hmm. point, he has a choice: send the emperor back, or he can possess the emperor and now be a living holder of him and control the machine. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Interesting. I mean, the other question I have though about this is: those two are connected familially. What what's the position, the, like the f- cast relationship, I guess, or whatever, of the terrorists? Are they like mm. people without a genealogy? So they're just like regular commoners mm. or do they have some Royal line? Cause I feel like it seems to be that twist is twist is kind of pushing us to make this a family situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm picturing it as like they are descended or like their origins were in something related to like spirit channeling back in the original palace centuries okay. ago. And over time, like they saw the channeling sort of bastardized and mm-hmm. warped and that made them furious at what it had become. Um, so this is like the end result. So they're ancient ancestors. Yeah. So like they could be related to that original class as well. Got it. Yeah, that works. That absolutely works. Um, all right. So I suppose the question now becomes, how do we, uh, what's the, what's the extra twisty bit in the main storyline? I mean, would it involve like kind of getting one of the ninja groups on their side or infiltrating them in some way? Mm. To get into the palace. Yeah. So that way we'd have a third. That That's interesting as well, because then you'd have a third faction for even more betrayal and even more <laughs> potential for, you know, like switching sides, which is always, you know, when, once you add in that third person to the Mexican standoff, that's where it becomes really interesting. Um, alternatively, of course, if we wanted to really focus on the twist of now get family involved, 
we can have it so each sub-faction has a relation involved. So it's all in the same family. You know, so like maybe the rightful heir is part of the channelers, but maybe they have siblings who are part of the other clans that are all trying to stop the emperor and they all have their yeah. own motivations as well. That's what I was like trying to hint at. It's like, yeah, they should all be yeah. connected by their family relations. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I, well, I, I heard you and I wanted to play into that, Daniel. So yeah. <laughs> well then, then who are these other people? Let's, let's go there, I guess. It seems like the spiritual terrorists are some sort of distant ancestor connection. So like, these are like great grandparents. Mm-hmm. It seems um, as an uncle myself, I would like to put in an aunt or uncle uh-huh. as that particular uh, anarchists, you know, type of Actually, great aunts, great uncles. Kind I'm, of I'm going aunt because okay. in my mind, this aunt has like um, an eye patch has like an open <laughs> robe and is like constantly mm-hmm. smoking you know, like through one of those like long cigarette filter things, like, mm-hmm. or, or, or like a, through a pipe, I mean, through a pipe. So yeah, I want badass battle anarchist auntie as, as that representation. <laughs> it would also seem, it would have to put them on one side of the fence too. Like, it seems like they might have been on the outside of the wall. That's why they're so um, bedraggled <laughs> looking. Oh, I see. Like they had somehow gotten out at some point and oh, we're trying, wait. maybe they've been trying to break down the barrier the whole time. Mm-hmm. Even. Okay. They were okay, in the okay. impoverished side of the mm-hmm. wall. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. So they're related. They were stuck on the other side of the wall. They weren't supposed to be on this side, but they through heroism through like, okay, we've got to hold this bridge to make sure that the emperor mm-hmm. can get the barrier up. And then that happens and they survive, but they're also now exi- essentially exiled from their own land right. for a and while. There's right. this like major betrayal that they were locked out like while trying to protect the emperor. I like to think that the first couple of generations don't see it as a betrayal, but this the newer generations are like, wait, that's fucked. Like you essentially asked our family to die. Yeah, like over time, the story has become warped. And yeah, I like that. We have to remember, too, that like the division with the wall, these are not two peoples being divided. These are two people being created. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, like you're cutting families in half by generating this wall. So it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that some of them are on like this on and this faction used to be part of the one whole. But for generations, they've been separated. And that's where the artifact came from. The emperor Mm -hmm. gave this family who the emperor knew this family to be the most honorable and loyal to the emperor gave them this weapon to be like, look, I can only trust this to you. And then, you know, generations later, they're like, wait, we have this thing and we can destroy the emperor? Bet we're destroying the fuck out of that spirit emperor. Let's go. I mean, he didn't intend it to be a weapon, right? It was originally a a tool to create the wall. Uh, Partially, I imagine, yeah. Although it could have been a weapon. It could have been a weapon, like the only weapon that could have prevented the emperor from stopping the spirit wall. And they just gave it to... Uh, a retainer that was remarkably loyal and they knew wouldn't do it. Right. Well, but it was used originally to create the wall. Like it wasn't meant to be a weapon. Wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Cause we had talked about like reversing its, uh, its mm-hmm. use mm-hmm. or corrupting. Oh, its I, use I, I was just, way. I was just suggesting that they don't necessarily have to be coupled in that way. If we have the familial aspect set up, you know, it could no. just be like a very powerful artifact that they know is powerful enough to stop the wall from being put up or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I'm cool with that too. It's whatever. I just like it because it doesn't create another MacGuffin. You know, like we just have mm. the one. Mm. 
Oh, yeah. Like, what if um, maybe this is like kind of like the last surviving pylon of the wall? Oh, that's cool. That they, yeah. So like there are others, but they're defunct or mm-hmm. in disrepair or whatever. But this sure. one is actually functioning. Still. All right. That that adds a level of complexity and depth that I'm here for. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about the Shinobi. Why is there a, a familial connection in this Shinobi clan? And whose Shinobi clan makes most <laughs> sense? Oh, what if um, like spirits of the Emperor's original guard are the ones inhabiting the uh, Daniel's Clockwork guard? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Was there like clothes of his guardian? Yeah. Sorry, can you repeat that? I was coughing my lungs out. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, so Daniel had brought up the idea his his faction was like clockwork imperial guard basically so i was saying like what if the um the spirits of the emperor's original guard were the ones inhabiting these clockwork as well that were in so so why are they teaming up to take down the emperor then i don't think that they are they yeah, might I think be, the, yeah, yeah i think that maybe there's one person among all of these factions that might do it oh i, I okay 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 so so that particular person is just like well, why why did they what about them became uh disillusioned with the Imperial Guard then? I don't know. Like I don't know if we have to have one from every because we have three, right? Right. Clans. That's why I'm saying that we need an, we need one from the faction that's defecting against the Emperor. Yeah, I don't and think then, so what I'm saying is I don't think the clockwork clan, there's any chance of getting a defector because they're right. barely sentient. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I was right. thinking too. Okay. So we've either got Hungry demon ghosts, or we've got Courtney's who are uh, ghostbusters. Yeah, I think either one works. But what I'm thinking now is that there's like a descendant of the original Civil War opposition in one of our factions. And that's why they want to turn on the emperor, because they feel that they still have the rights to that power that their ancestor was fighting for centuries ago. Um, I'll, I'll take that into my, uh, demon worshiping, uh, shinobi because I feel like I want to crank up the edge on that. I think that (laughs) totally works. Excellent. So, so that obviously leaves your clan, the ghostbuster clan, Mm -hmm. uh, to, to kind of be the one who are aligning with the emperor, correct? Or do we want to be the edgy shadow clan who are taking down the emperor? No, I think that works for mine. Okay, cool. So uh, did we do it? Is that it? Yeah, I think that that I makes sense so. now. Like, I think we've, if we were to summarize it, we can get from point A to point B and it's coherent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think though to, uh, to bring in something from the 1999 Brendan Fraser masterpiece, The Mummy, is at the end when the protagonists kind of use the Book of the Dead to like turn the Imperial Guard to their side. We could have something similar here where maybe towards the end of whatever battle this is, the protagonists in our world have the option to like turn the clockwork guard against mm-hmm. the emperor. And that's where the spirit channeler comes in. Cause mm, they're like, yeah. like they're going to recognize the blood of the emperor and they're going to be like, Oh, we'll respect that. Yeah. That works for me. Cool. Now go run it. Everyone who's listening, <laughs> go, go run this adventure. Cause that sounds dope as hell. Okay. This has been a remarkably like narrowly focused episode. And I fucking love that. So I guess my last question before we head on out, do we have any other questions that we want to uh, ask about this setting? Hmm. I'm curious what happens to the 
like giant city-sized mecha animal once the emperor is defeated, if he gets defeated. Oh, I have to imagine that the emperor does in fact get defeated, yeah. right? In some way. In some way, yeah. Or like maybe just diminished, not necessarily defeated. And mm. remember as well that the way that we kind of approached it is that no one has seen the emperor. So right. part of me is, is kind of intrigued in this idea that no one, not even the factions that are like going against the emperor, know that he is in fact fully clockwork at this point. I, I want to keep that inner circle really tight and really small. That's interesting. Yeah, I like that. Mm. All right. Well, do we want to answer that question about what happens to the clockwork mecha? Like, obviously, it stops moving. Yeah, though, if it's one of those giant spirit animals, then that would be underneath the clockwork armor. Oh, boy. Yeah. Unless it is like a pure clockwork mecha, like the only one. Oh, that's kind of interesting as well. I guess we could leave that up to whoever's running the game if they want to have a reveal at the end where it's some like enormous spirit god that gets released or yeah i think you i think you've got the right idea courtney i think that mm -hmm. we we let there be some mystery to it and i think that we let this setting wrap up mm -hmm. here honestly mm -hmm. um so that'll do it for this episode of world build with us uh, a huge thank you again to diplo raptor for this particular setting uh, I, I had some fun talking about Mecca, even though strangely enough, I feel like the Mecca kind of ended up being like on the less important aspect of, of the setting. Like we had it be more mm -hmm. about like the family and the people and stuff like that, which I th I think is kind of interesting, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's going to do it. So remember that if you want us to build your world, like we did with Diplo Raptors here, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to come and follow us on social media, you can go to our Twitter at Let's World Build. If you want to come join our Discord and chat with us directly, you can always do that by clicking the link in this description. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always go to our Patreon uh, with a link for that in the description as well. Click the link and then, uh, yeah, I mean, give us money. You get all sorts of goodies, all sorts of good stuff, early episodes, exclusive episodes, extra stuff like that. Just go look at it if you feel like it. No pressure. But that's going to do it for this episode of World Build with us. Remember that we love you very much, and we're going to get through this together until next week. Mm -hmm.